Thank you for connecting to the Bethany Chapel Sermon Link. Our prayer is that you will find the following sermon helpful and inspiring for your spiritual journey. If you are a visitor to this resource, or if you've not attended our church, we would love to meet you in person. Our vision at Bethany Chapel is opening doors to God's truth and love. God bless you as you listen. And this morning I want to talk to you about community. Because I think community is one of the most important things that we experience as believers. Community is one of the things that unites all of us here this morning today, together. And so, like I said, Kayleen and I have experienced incredible community here at Bethany. As, we, as I went through the hiring process, a, a feeling of community started to become a tangible sense of community as I got to know people and you've invited me into your homes. And that tangible sense of community, those relationships, those are so valuable. And for all of us, we can recognize that community and relationships have really taken center stage over the last number of years. We can all recognize that as we've endured COVID, which is a hopefully once in a lifetime event, that our communities have shifted dramatically. Our relationships have been impacted, whether those are close friends, whether that's family, the way that we have interacted in community has changed. We've endured. We've endured everything that came with shutdowns, with mandates, with toilet paper shortages. We've endured everything the last couple years have thrown at us. But we found ourselves sacrificing one of the most important aspects of our humanity and our faith, and that's our communities. More specifically, we began sacrificing the relationships within those communities. We could no longer meet together in our small groups the way that we once had. We could no longer connect with family as easily as we once had. To go and visit a friend or a loved one was no longer a simple task. For those of us that had loved ones in hospitals, it was no longer an easy thing to drive over to Foothills or the Peter Lougheed or another, another hospital and, and go visit. We had to visit them through digital screens and technology. And say what you will about how technology has changed our life, it has not replaced real relationship. It cannot replicate or produce the same effect and emotion and feeling. And when we lose community, when we've endured and suffered the, the breakdown of relationships and the communities around us, one of the things it causes is division. Just naturally, it will create division because we've become separated from the thing that we have normal access to. And division, division breeds fear and loneliness. Fear and loneliness in turn breed conflict, and conflict further separates us from community. It becomes a vicious cycle. And like myself, I'm sure many of you have experienced that over the last number of years. As Paul discussed last week, fear and anxiety, mental health in general, mental health in general have a huge impact on the world around us, and it's become a massive topic of conversation. We've seen just how much of an impact they can have. There was a survey completed in 2018. So this is pre-COVID. It was done by the Cigna Institute. They did 20,000 adult survey or respondents across North America. And they found that 50% of adult men and women in North America reported feeling sometimes or always lonely. 40% of survey participants reported that sometimes or always feel that the relationships 
are no longer meaningful or they feel isolated. And that was pre-COVID. I cannot imagine what this survey would say if it was taken today. Because all of us have gone through periods of isolation. All of us have struggled with relationships. And it doesn't stop there. These numbers are alarming, not only because it would indicate that close to half of us in this room struggle with feelings of loneliness or feeling disconnected from our relationships, because it, but because it has a greater impact on our health. The health and mental health risks associated with the lack of social connection actually will heighten our health risks. A recent study showed and sus that sustained and prolonged periods of loneliness can be the equivalent of smoking a pack of cigarettes a day or having alcohol use disorder. Just suffering from loneliness can have the same effect as those drugs. It's also been found that loneliness and social isolation are twice as harmful to the human body as obesity. Something the world has figured out very quickly in the last five to ten years is that they plainly see the impact that mental health has on the human body. No longer is it pseudoscience and secular psychology talking about something, but mental health has come to the forefront of our society in a way that we probably wouldn't have imagined even 20 years ago. The world around us understands that without community and without relationship, we begin to break down. You see it in those that are, are in hospital. And I know from many of you that I've talked with over the last number of weeks, many of our loved ones here in this room are in hospitals or care facilities. And for those individuals, I can identify with that. My mother-in-law is in the hospital and she is recovering from a stroke. And the fact that she has a community around her is a huge difference maker. Hospital staff know it. If, if an individual suffering from health or physical issues have a community around them, if someone suffering from mental health issues has a community around them, they recover far better than those that don't have relationship and community. And the thing the world has caught up to is something that we plainly see in Scripture throughout the Bible. God instilled the importance of community in Israel. Israel tried and failed multiple times to communicate that to their neighbors. Jesus taught his disciples at length about community, and his disciples wrote the churches about it. Half of the New Testament is about inviting people into relationship with Christ and the church. It's about creating communities that can sustain our relationship with God. On and on throughout the history of our faith, community has continually played a critical role and was, as we look ahead to the fall, hopefully a fall without mask mandates or vaccine passports or any of the other things that we've endured, as we look ahead to the fall, my challenge this morning for all of us is, are you truly open to participating in community the way that God has asked you to? The way that God has instructed you to? So this morning, I want to walk through four points on the importance and responsibility that community has in our lives, and four consequences if we fail to operate within the kingdom as instructed. Next slide. God exists in community. This should not come as a shock. For those of us that have grown up in the church or for those of us that have a, a, a baseline of, of scriptural understanding, we understand that the Trinity exists in relationship. 
God exists in relationship, the Godhead, three in one, something that we still struggle to understand at a deep level, but we see in Scripture that they interact with one another. So if God exists in community, why would we ever think that we could survive without it? Within our faith and through a study of Scripture, we see the relationship in the Trinity. And what I want to point out within the Trinity is that there's, again, there's that visible interaction multiple times between Jesus and the Spirit, the Father and the Son. They interact with one another and they form their own community. So why would God build us for something different? Well, he didn't. Beginning of Scripture, Genesis 1:26, we see a very real understanding of what community looks like for us. You can go to the next slide. Genesis 1.26 says this, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and over all the earth, over every crawling thing that crawls on the earth. I'm sure this is a verse many of us have seen or read a multitude of times. But there's an aspect in this verse that I think we rarely pay attention to. There's two important words in this passage. Two crucial words. The first is image, and the second is likeness. Because those are different things. And in the Hebrew language, the words used for those two English translations convey a different idea. They convey a different aspect of who God is. It also highlights specifically in this passage, it doesn't say that we were made in God's image. It doesn't say we're made in the Father's image. It says we're made in our image. Our, plural. There's a relationship within that our usage that we need to pay attention to. An image here, it actually refers to something that contains the essence of something else. So when it says we are made in God's image, what it's communicating is an aspect of our creation actually holds God's essence. Part of our creation, part of our humanity communicates God at a fundamental level. We're made in his image, not just physically, but we have the ability to house a soul. We have the ability to house a, an aspect of God where we can sustain a relationship with our creator. And likeness, likeness is more connected to substance. So there's a substance within us that also reflects our creator. Characteristics that set us apart from other parts of creation, such as the ability to reason, morality, language, and relationships that are governed by love and commitment and creativity. There are aspects of our humanity that reflect what it looks like to be God. We are made in his image, and in that image is community. An intrinsic part of our humanity is the desire for relationship. Enough that God understood after he created Adam that that wasn't enough. It wasn't enough for Adam. It would have been enough for God, but it wasn't enough for Adam. Adam needed community. He needed relationship. So our creation holds within it the ability to reflect the characteristics of God and the capacity to reflect the unique aspects of the Trinity when scripture tells us that we are image bearers, we are to be an extension of our creator, something that requires us to be in a relationship. Gilbert Bazalkin, he said in his book, it's called Community 101. It's a wonderful book. 
And he, he frames it this way. I love it so much. He says, community as God ordained it was not an incidental concern of his. Community is deeply grounded in the nature of God. It flows from who God is. And because he is community, he creates community, and it is that gift of himself to humanity. As bearers of his image, we hunger for community to fulfill that image. We're responding to an internal feeling. Something about our being cries out for it, that we seek it out. Whether it's healthy or not, we seek relationship and community. This is evidenced by the plethora of books on self-help and intimacy that we see in the world around us. Our world is struggling to understand what it looks like to be in healthy community, healthy relationship. We've lost some of that. And I would say that a great deal of sin in our world, a great deal of the ways in which we struggle, it is a direct result of having a distinct lack of community or the wrong community surrounding us. In my life, when I look at the times that I have fallen far from God, where I have completely distanced myself from him, where I no longer want anything to do with God, I reevaluate those times in my life that I've struggled in my faith, and the one common denominator is I have no community with the church. I have no relationships with strong Christians to challenge me, to admonish me, to encourage me. When we separate ourselves from God, we separate ourselves from community. And that's the first impact. When we distance ourselves from community, we are actually distancing ourselves from God. Because as we are image bearers, so are all the rest of us in this room. And when we are in relationship with one another, we actually experience God through other people. And so if we remove ourselves from community, where are we going to see that image bearing? Where are we going to encounter what God is speaking to us? Yes, we can absolutely go to God ourselves, but that's not the only way that he designed us. He created us for community. Second point. So if God exists in community, then being in community is not optional. It's not an option for us. 1 Corinthians 12, you can go to the next slide, it says this, if the foot says, because I am not a hand, I am not part of the body, it is not for this reason any less part of the body. And if the ear says, because I am not an eye, I am not part of the body, it is not for this reason any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has arranged the parts, each one of them in the body, just as he desired. I'm sure we've also heard this passage many, many times in our church upbringing. If it's a new passage for you, it's a fundamentally important one to understand that God has made us in unique ways that we don't operate with all the capacity to sustain ourselves. And we don't operate in a capacity where we can be everything to everyone. That's God, not us. Community is important because we serve a relational God who created us to be relational. There are physical benefits, emotional benefits, mental benefits, and of course, spiritual benefits. It's almost as if God, in his ultimate wisdom and knowledge, understood as he was forming and creating us that we just might need other people around. Imagine that, he knew what he was doing. Imagine that, scripture actually informs us of how we can live in community. 
See, community used to be necessary for survival. If we think about biblical times, if we think about the history of humanity, there was times in our life, in, in, in the age of humanity, where if you didn't exist in community, you were in danger. You had actually put yourself in a position to not have access to food or safety. Communities formed naturally because the people in them needed each other, right? But something has occurred through the 20th century and into the 21st century where we have started to convince ourselves that we no longer need community for survival, that we can sustain ourselves, that we can go get our own food, that we can go get our own security, we can go get our own safety. I can educate myself through the internet. I don't need someone else to educate me or help me learn. And we've transitioned away from a communal sense of living into a very hyper-individualistic sense of self. We've convinced ourselves in our modern society that we can exist outside of it, that we can sustain and provide what we need on our terms, on our timeline, and in doing so, we lose sight of that which sustains us, and that's God. Very clearly in Scripture, he challenges us, he explains to us that outside of him, we cannot do what it is he's tasked us with. And so community is not optional. And when we distance ourselves from community, we make ourselves idols. Because when we separate ourselves from community, what we're essentially saying is I can do it myself. I don't need to be in relationship with others to, to have the life I want, to lead the life God wants me, or to pursue the things that I want out of life. And that's a struggle. We make ourselves idols. We see it in our hyper-individualistic society where all of our self-help books these days, it all talks about how you can discover what you need and you can go do whatever it is that you want. We tell each other that anything you can dream of, you can go do. I don't think that I can be a professional basketball player. I don't think that I can be a world-renowned painter. I don't have those gifts. As much as I would love those things, I just can't do it. But the world around us, it tells us we can be anything we want. We don't require anyone else. We can do it ourselves. And that makes ourselves idols. Third point. Community is an essential part of our own discipleship. James 5.16, it says this. You can go into the next slide. Is anyone among you suffering? Then he must pray. Is anyone cheerful? He is to sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another, and pray for one another that you may be healed. A prayer of, right, of a righteous person when it is brought about, can accomplish much. One of my favorite theologians of all time, his name is Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he wrote a book called Life Together, which is all about existing in community with God. Because we can create communities that don't have God as the central point of them, but they don't sustain ourselves the way that God can. So he writes in this book, he says this, in the presence of a psychiatrist, I can only be a sick man. In the presence of a Christian brother, I can dare to be a sinner. 
The psychiatrist must first search my heart, and yet he never plums its ultimate depth. The Christian brother knows that when I come to him, here is a sinner like myself, a godless man who wants to confess and yearns for God's forgiveness. The psychiatrist views me as if there were no God. The brother views me as I am before the judging and merciful God in the cross of Jesus Christ. And what Bonhoeffer is getting at, he's getting at the crux of what it means to be in biblical community. As those who share Christ as the center of our lives, we are able to respond to each other in ways that we require. If we are not engaged in community, or if our community lacks the ability to encourage us, pray with us, challenge us, admonish us, or disciple us, growth will not take place. Discipleship in turn directs us to God, which in turn should direct us to helping others, which creates a repeating cycle. It's everything that God is challenging us in Scripture. To come to him, to know him, and then love others. It's very hard to do that by ourselves. And a common thread during COVID has been a quick attachment to using technology as a replacement for social connection. I've noticed it in my world. I've noticed it in my relationships. And while I'm concerned about the use of technology and how much we use it, technology isn't going anywhere. It will impact the way that the church does community. It's going to impact the way church does discipleship. It is going to impact a great many things that we have even yet to understand. Society will continue to transform what social connection looks like. What I am concerned with is that we use it with too little reflection on how its various forms shape our message and how it shapes the gospel. What I'm hopeful for is that the church can and will continue to leverage technology, but as we do, we must never forget that the information must always point towards an invitation in, in embodied realities. By that I mean technology should assist us in directing people towards deeper relationship, more connection, and true discipleship rather than an alternative to that type of community. And so when we distance ourselves from God, we lack opportunity for spiritual growth. Is that not what we should be pursuing in our lives? Is that not the purpose of being a disciple of Christ? Is that we grow spiritually? What is our priority in our lives? And I, and I reflect on this quite often. Because there have been times in my own life that I don't want spiritual growth or I have resisted listening to God and the challenges that he's laying down in my life. But is that not the sole purpose of following Christ? Is, is that we grow in our understanding and our love and our commitment towards the Son and the Son brings us to the Father and allows the Holy Spirit to work through us? That is the fundamental challenge in Scripture. That we grow deeper in our relationship, not for us, but for others to glorify God. How often is our sole focus spiritual growth? Last point, number four. Community is how we open doors to the kingdom. A natural extension of discipleship. If we are discipling each other, we will bring others to Christ. Community is an opportunity. Fellowship in the church becomes a tutor and an avenue for us to love and serve others, even those outside the church. Above all, the church is called to mirror the love of the Trinity. 
Like we talked about, God exists in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He is the true unity in diversity. And we are invited not only to share in the love of the Trinity, but also to extend that love to those that we encounter. And yes, that includes those of us within the church. We have to love one another. That's hard sometimes. John 13, 34 to 35, it covers this quite well. John is concerned with a church that is struggling to love one another. There's division. There is no unity in this church. And so he says, I'm giving you a new commandment. Right? Jesus is challenging us. I'm giving you a new commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. That you also love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Three times he repeats it. Jesus is really good at that, right? If he wants to get something across, we see it all throughout scripture. If God is trying to get a point nailed home, he repeats it time after time after time. And what I find interesting in this challenge is it's not concerned. Jesus isn't concerned with the disciples loving other people at this stage. He's concerned with them loving one another. I don't know how many of you have seen The Chosen. It's a wonderful series. I think it does a wonderful job of portraying Christ and the disciples and the journey that they went on through life. And one of the things that I actually love, I I found myself quite attached to, is the way that it portrays the division within the disciples. Because they were people just like you and I, living lives, coming from different walks of life, all following one person all following one promise, and yet none of them could agree on how to do it. And we're, we're really good about that in the church, if we're honest about it, right? We're not always good at unity. Because community gets really messy when we start working with people that don't think or act the way we do. All of a sudden, we come up against things that really get us upset or cause us to be uncomfortable. We're faced with situations in which we'd much rather just leave. So we do, right? At no point in our culture has church shopping become as much of a reality as the 21st century. Gone are the days in which we simply attach ourselves to a body of believers and commit to that church One of the things that I love since I've attended Bethany and as I've come on staff is the amount of you in this room and those of you watching online that tell me, I have been a part of this church for 50 years. That's incredible. That is an incredible gift that God has sustained you in this place for that long. And I know that's not true of everyone that encounters church, but imagine for a second if everyone who attended a church stayed there for 50 years. Imagine the deep level of relationships that would exist. It would require us to bear things before each other. It would require us to bear our souls, to bear our sin. It would require us to admonish one another. It would require us to pray with those that we really don't like. For us to be in community for that that period of time, imagine what those outside the church would see when they looked at a church and they saw that level of relationship where everyone loved each other, even if they didn't agree with one another, but they loved each other and they could see it. And that's what's get, that, that is what Jesus is getting at here. Love 
one another. If you love each other, if you allow me to work through you and love one another, people will see something in you that they will want, that they will notice, that they will stop and go, what is different? There's an intentional aspect about loving people outside the church. Absolutely. I'm not, I'm not giving you guys a free pass on that. But there's an intentional focus within Scripture to love those that follow Christ. Love one another. When we are ambassadors of, of Christ, we follow Christ leading into places and spaces that he sends us. And in doing so, we actually create more community. We create community that is centered around God in places that it doesn't exist. We expand the kingdom. We open the doors. We bring the kingdom to those that don't even know it exists. And that is, that is the mission, right? That, that is the goal, that God would see everyone come back to him, that God would see everyone kneel at his feet. The kingdom exists for everyone, not just us. And when we're in community and when we love each other, the kingdom becomes a reality. It goes from something we talk about and it turns into something tangible that people can feel and touch and hear. One last, one last piece of scripture for you this morning. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says this. Next slide. No? All right. Bear with me. This is why you always bring a Bible up. 2 Corinthians 5.20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. We are ambassadors for Christ. He makes an appeal through us. You know what that sounds like? It sounds like being an image bearer. It sounds like the living out of what we are called to be, and that is a reflection of Jesus. Not that we are doing anything spectacular or incredible, but that God is accomplishing that work through us. And he can do so much more when we work together in community. So this morning, uh, next slide. No, no more slides, okay, all right. Oh boy, every pastor's worst nightmare. When we are created for community, it becomes an intrinsic part of our life. When we fail to engage with community, we actually close the doors to the kingdom. We actually shut down the work that God is doing in the lives of those around us. Because if we want people outside these four walls to come and know Jesus, they have to want that. They have to want to know Jesus. And it requires something of us to be intentional in the way that we live our lives and the way that we go about it. Community is a critical part of our spiritual journey. So as the worship team comes up, I wouldn't be a very good pastor if I didn't take the opportunity from the pulpit 
on a Sunday morning if I didn't invite you into community? And boy, are there opportunities for you guys to be involved in community. As the pastor of care and connection, I want to challenge our church that we have two engaged Sundays coming up where you will be able to hear and talk to pastors and ministry leaders and find out how you can get involved in communities that will fulfill you or you can find ways to serve and fulfill others. There are ways that you can get involved if you're interested in belonging to a connection group. Well, I'm your guy. If you're not involved or engaged as much in this church, if you don't have the level of relationship that you're looking for, then just come talk to me. Because more than anything, I can tell you that the pastors and the staff at Bethany Chapel want you engaged and involved in community, allowing it to change the way that you follow Christ and love others. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, this morning as we come to you, we thank you for the way that you invite us into community, the way that you bring us to, to your followers, the way that you bring us to those that love you. As we, as we follow you and learn hard lessons along the way, God, you are the, the guiding star in our life. So this morning, as the, the worship band plays one final song, God, I would just challenge us that we reflect on how is it that we are engaging with community? Are we doing it intentionally? Or are we simply trying to avoid it in places that it's uncomfortable? God, I thank you for those in attendance here and those online God, I thank you for the faithfulness that you have in the people at Bethany Chapel and the work that you're doing here. God, I pray that you continue to bring your light into a world that needs it and allow us to be image bearers for your love. Amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon. We hope you found it connected you to the God of truth and love who we worship and serve at Bethany Chapel. If you have any questions or want to connect to any of our pastors, go online to bethanychapel.com and click come. Thanks again, and God bless you.